1: MWR.com is where we write articles, and you can check out everything beyond the podcast. Right, Matt? Yes. Yes. Good answer. Yes. Beyond the podcast. So, this is our team previews. We're on uh, number five, I want to say. Yes. Number five. That's correct. I could do math. Number five preview. I'm just back from out of town, so apologies for that. If you're listening in order for the um, timeliness, sorry about the Boise State fans. You got about four days too late, but you do what you got to do, but- we're talking Colorado State Rams tonight, or this afternoon, or this morning, depending when you're listening to this. Season preview, we know you know what the drill is. talk about last year a little bit. Coaches, new staff, new players' schedule. We give our predictions here in the middle of the summer, which are probably, what would you say, a good 50-50 toss-up, if they're good or not? It's always 50-50? Yeah, and it's, it sort of makes for an yeah,
0: a very uh, convenient segue into corner, kind of reflecting on the 2020 season, because... With the Rams in particular, it's, it's sort of hard to reflect on them just because, relative to pretty much every other team in the conference, they didn't, I mean, one, they didn't play as much. And so, as a result, we didn't really learn a lot about the Steve Adagio era in year no. one. You know, there was, um, it was definitely like an, an interesting lead up to the season. You know, with all the pandemic weirdness, there were some allegations that, you know thedazio and the staff weren't necessarily taking covid nineteen seriously you know there were some you know game cancellations because of you know covid and, and other pockets of the mountain west you know they had the the final gaming against you saw they cancelled because of the whole you know
1: uh, you know Frank miley situation yeah
0: and so as a result they played four games they went one in three and they weren't really the like it, it, they were in some respects they were kind of sort of the team we expected to see. But in a lot of ways, they were, you know, really pleasant surprises. Like the defense took a big step forward. The offense, by contrast, (laughs) they kind of took a step backwards. And and so it's sort of like, you know, going into 2021, it's it's sort of tempting to, like, give them a do-over. But when you look at, at all the talent that they have coming back, Yeah, they have questions, but they're also in a situation where, like, they kind of seem like they want to win now. Like, they had the guys who Uh,
1: probably – No, who saying win now?
0: Come on. (laughs) What I'm saying – and I'm just talking in terms of, like, returning production. Like, you know, there were guys like, you know, Trey McBride who were were tempted to maybe make the jump to the NFL, maybe tempted to transfer, but they brought back, you know, pretty much every contributor on both sides of the ball – and so you know, at a glance, you, may, you might think of well, Colorado State as like a, as a team that wants to win now. And you know, you realize they've got nine returning starters, I believe, on both sides of the ball coming back, you know nine or ten at least. And yeah, like you know, they may not be on at the, at the top of the list, but I think internally, among among the Colorado State fan base, like there's high expectations, but I think you know, given what we saw from them last year, yeah, like you don't necessarily want to dismiss everything outright, despite the COVID weirdness. So, you know, it, a lot is going to depend on, you know, their resolution to the questions that popped up continually last year and the games that they were able to play.
1: Here's what I will say. they played probably the four toughest teams in the Mountain West last year. Four. Yeah, they did. They did not have San San Jose State. So they lost to Fresno State. They somehow beat Wyoming. They the got Boise,
0: Browns boot.
1: They, they, they still yes, it's in their possession. They beat – excuse me, I was going to say something stupid. I was looking at the Wyoming. They got beat badly by Boise State, but that doesn't reflect the defense you mentioned because there, were, there was those three special teams touchdowns, which uh, clearly makes a big difference Went fifty-two 52-21. Yeah. And then San Diego State, even without Greg Bell, they lost by eight points. So it is hard to tell how good they are, but here's what I can tell. When they played good teams, they weren't really good.
0: Yeah, like, in case in point, you know, I was, when I was doing research for this podcast, you know, I was looking up, you know, some of Brian Freebo's, uh, you know, statistics, some of the advanced analytics, and so, for example, like, if you want to look at last year's team through the prism of, of like, you know, net points per, yeah, net points per drive, like, they were definitely below average relative to years past. Like, they were, you're, you're talking about an offense or, or rather, a, a team as a whole that, you know, for lack of a better term, rivaled some of the really underwhelming teams of, like, the early 2010s, for example. Like, kind of the, that, the end of the, uh, you know, the Sonny Lubick era and that Steve Bearchild era. Um, you know, like, on offense in particular, you know, offensive points per drive, they were 113th nationally. And when you compare that to what they were able to do on defense, like, they were, you know, a top 40, top 30, top 20 unit, depending on what, you know, how you choose to slice it. Yeah. You know, if you if you look at, a, you know, available yards per drives, like, just as a short description, like, if you have an 80-yard drive potentially on the plate and you get 20 yards, that means you gained 25% of the available yards, right? So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's clear to listeners. Makes um, sense, yeah. On defense, they were, like, just outside the top 40, which I think I don't think a lot of people would have expected. Offensively, though, they were 122nd. That makes a lot of sense. I, and so I think, you know, like I said, they've got pretty much everybody coming back. You know, new offensive coordinator John Buttmeyer is going to have his work cut out for him, though, to, you know, fix whatever was ailing this Rams team last year because I think, you know, the... The, the team ceiling is going to be determined, I think, a lot by how they fix the the, the problems on the offensive side of the ball. And, and ironically, it sort of makes them a little bit like you know San Diego State whom we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah,
1: but also one thing to realize: their offense wasn't great. They look at the defenses they played. Well, I mean Boise State, San Diego State. Yeah. So it's more skewed. Like how they've gotten were able to play UNLV or New Mexico like Fresno's defense is not amazing, but it's mm-hmm. better than New Mexico. How they played more of those other teams, it would balance out. So while the numbers, even if we try not to use full stats from last year, but like per player, per drive or even per possession, same thing as drive, I guess. But my point mm-hmm. being, it's it, 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 for this team, it's even more skewed when they played basically the three of the best defenses in the conference. Yeah. And that's kind of hard to look at. And then the Boise defensive numbers go against them, but the points per game different when there's 21 special teams points. Mm-hmm. So that's where defense made that. It's still not good. I'm not going to say – I'm not backing them to say they're great. They have great. They have some good defenders on this team. But overall, it's hard to say were they really that bad or they just – unfortunately, the games they played, they played the best teams, and that's where their numbers would be if you'd like to do splits or something amongst like winning record teams or bowl teams or something because all, all but one went to a bowl game or bowl eligible, right? Or I forget what bowl game, eligible was last year. But, you know, I mean, teams that typically go bowling mm-hmm. every year. If you were to compare that with, if you're like a split between UNLV, Utah State, New Mexico, the other, or the other four teams, even Air Force, I'm pretty sure to balance it out, they might be a 90th percentile defense, those statues I mentioned. Still not great, but not near the worst in FBS. Yeah. So just something to consider when, because it's who they played more than like the, you know we go through the numbers. Exactly. But I mean, like you are playing a very good team.
0: You want to be able to give it the appropriate context. That's kind of what you're getting
1: that's at. That's what I'm getting Yeah, I mean, the numbers suck. They we know they're not very weren't very good, but give me New Mexico, and that jumps up 10 points. Give me UNLV, that could go 30 points higher. You know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. the context of who they played. So, well, not good. They're probably not that bad either.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you one thing now. You know, it seems like, you know, whoever emerges as the starting quarterback is probably going to be one of the most important players in the conference.
1: Hey, they already named the starting quarterback, Todd Centennial.
0: Oh, is that official?
1: Yes, it is. Unfortunately, it is. Should we start there? Let's <laughs> start I, there. As I said, fortunately, yeah, They, I was looking at though no, They mentioned, yeah, Todd Centennial, the quarterback. Um, That's who they're going with. Um, Because remember, Patrick O'Brien went to Washington last year, transferred. Mm-hmm. And they have – um. What am I blanking on? So that's all I got at the quarterback. Sorry, I think it's something else. But, no, he's their QB. And last year he split. I remember the first game last year. It's, it's He's out there playing. I'm like, what are you doing? Because like, Adagio wants to run the ball. So, But let's bring in a guy who's kind of a change of pace guy, which doesn't really fit what he even really wants to do. Mm-hmm. Because let's bring in Centennial for his athleticism. Well, he did have 80 yards rushing in that first game versus Fresno State. But that's about all he did. He didn't play well all the year. A couple – what do you have um, – he only had one interception, but he didn't play as much as Patrick O'Brien. It kind of got – it's just a, obviously a weird situation a few games, but he wasn't very good. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I may have brought this up in, in one kind of recap podcast or another sometime last year, but, you know, I, I don't think I would blame Rams fans if they had, like, you know, flashbacks to Faden Bauta, you know, every time he <laughs> stepped back to, to throw the football <laughs> because, you know, I don't think it's going to be likely that he completes just 39% of his passes again.
1: No, zero but, chances.
0: But, but you know, is is he going to get back to you know where O'Brien was last year? You know, because O'Brien started the majority of the games, um, but he you know his even his numbers were way down from where they were at the at the end of the Mike Bilbo era. Like he only completed fifty six percent of his passes, and while you know averaging seven point yards, seven point four, excuse me, yards per attempt is respectable. I think you know what how much explosiveness are they looking to get out of the passing game, and is Cento the guy who's going to be able to give that to him?
1: I don't know because at Temple he was completed about uh, about seventy percent of his passes or 60 percent mm-hmm. of his passes, so but also as a backup he's never been a full time starter mm-hmm. so with Adagio and the new o c to have we know he wants to run the ball, but he has this mobile guy, so they need to he needs to find a balance because it seemed a bit too often. He just wanted to, here's my system, we're doing it, it works no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, not really in the Rams are more of a pass-open team. It doesn't help they didn't have, um, oh, geez, NFL, oh, why did she see Warren Jackson, excuse me, mm-hmm. played for a second. He wasn't there. Nate Craig Myers is okay. They do have Trey McBride, a couple weapons, but you got to kind of ease into it. You can't just go full on when, not that it's going from, like, the spread to the option, but it's going from, like, a three-receiver three, three receiver set and a, and a tight end that goes out for passes to a more pro-style Maybe an H back or a fullback type of thing where they're not they want to run the ball more. So there's two running backs or something, and they may not have that personnel. So mm-hmm. this year is still going to be kind of like that, but use him to your advantage. Like if he's mobile, it, do you could still run your same plays, but do play action and throw more because they have Dante Wright, they have McBride, they have all these receivers out there that can still catch the ball. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's sort of
0: ironic because, you know, we talked about Lucas Johnson and, and how in that Nevada game that the, that San Diego State played, you know, midway through the season that, you know, you saw flashes of what the offense could be when he was healthy, you know, before he got banged up in the second half of that game. And I sort of see them as being similar, you know, as being of a similar potential where we just didn't really see that same kind of stretch out of Santeo that we did out of, out of Johnson. But I think that, you know, if he steps up and, and is able to, you know, really, you know, make good on on being named the starter, then I think, you know, the offense could be okay with him if, if he's mobile, if he, you know, hands off to the running backs, you know, 60% of the time and or 55% of the time and gets out of the way and doesn't, you know, actively damage the, the team with turnovers, which, you know, given his career numbers, like, like they aren't overwhelming on the aggregate, but he's also only thrown two career interceptions, with it, which I think is a point in his favor too. But I think they really need him to do it just because, you know, the other guys that are still on the roster, lots of question marks behind him. Even, you know, there was, you know, Luke McAllister just recently entered the transfer portal. You know, Jonah O'Brien's a redshirt freshman. He hasn't seen the field. You know, same with Chance Harris. You know, Justice McCoy's had a couple of quarterback competitions that he's failed mm-hmm. to win so far. And they brought in, you know, another transfer from Boston College, Matt Balisi. You know, all of those guys could reasonably step in, like, if Santeo either isn't up to it or, you know, if, you know, knock on wood, he, he gets injured at any point in the season. Yeah. But I think, you know, the hope is that he'll step up and be, like, okay. Like, I don't necessarily need think that they need him to be, like, a, a game breaker in order for the offense to work the way that, that Adazio and Meyer envision it to, to work.
1: I hope so. It's if, that's, if this is their guy who they want, that's their guy. But they bring in another QB, because probably because they lost to Brian, but they bring in these other guys who they're familiar with mm. to see what could happen. I, it's, it's a position where you say it's pretty important, which it always is, but here they have – here's why it's even more important. They have good receivers. Like, we'll get to the tight end receiving group. They did lose Nate Craig Myers to UCF, but mm-hmm. they have other guys on the team. This – like – Who's their running back? Like, what are they doing on that on that that aspect? So that's why this is important. They want to run the ball to whoever. No, they the we know what the offense wants to run. Like, they're not going to change that. But you're bringing in Centennial, who doesn't fit what they typically do. Mm-hmm. And so I I'm just confused about why he's a starting quarterback and why they gave him so much time last year. And that probably pushed out a Brian out the door. Who who we seen play? Who's a pretty good quarterback. And but he but he doesn't hand the ball off or whatever. I don't know what the deal is. Does he just continue to hand the ball off better? I don't know. I'm just wondering. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it doesn't make sense to have a mobile quarterback when Steve Adazio has never had a mobile quarterback. Right?
0: Well but I mean, how how uh Anthony Brown was kind of mobile, wasn't he, at Boston College?
1: I honestly don't recall, but we know what he wants to do when he wants to run the ball with like A.J. Dillon and stuff like that years ago.
0: That's that's true and i mean you know we we going you know, maybe moving to the running backs like we kind of do know what they want to do running the football we kind of know who's going to do it rather i think the problem there was you know you look at some of the advanced numbers when it comes to you know ground game efficiency and you know we talked about how the offense was sort of handcuffed week in and week out and you know there's really no one person you can blame it on there's actually a lot of blame to go around i think for both, you know, the running game, the running backs in particular, and the offensive line, which we'll get to in a, in a little bit, you know, just thinking in terms of like line yards per carry, for example, this was a team that was next to last nationally in in line yards per carry. They were worse than Kansas. Let's put it that yeah. way. Next, um, you know, opportunity rate, which is just their ability to get to the second level to get like you know four or five yards, um, again next to last in the country, 126th power success rate, which you you would figure if anything. And a Dazio offense would be well suited to do to to convert in short guarded situations.
1: But, dead last nationally. <laughs> hey, there we go.
0: You know, stuff rate 121st nationally, and so like I said, there's not one person you can really blame it on. But I think you know, same with Santeo. You know, you look at you know the potential committee that they have set up. You know, and I think it starts with Ajon Vivens and it starts with Mar- Marcus McElroy. Um, they just need more out of both of those guys because I think, you know, between the two of them, you're talking about a pair of, of you know, big dudes. Um, and, and <laughs> maybe we should keep a running count on how many times we'll see yeah. dudes in this podcast, yeah. but you know, they're both, they're both 200 pounds. They're both, you know, heavy duty hitters who can run between the tackles and be exactly the kind of player, you know, the, the, the run game that, that Bud Meyer and Adazio want. But, you know, McElroy, uh, you know, we averaged under three yards per carry last year. And Ajan Viven's averaged, you know, about four and a quarter yards per carry. Between them, they only had four touchdowns, despite averaging, you know, 22 combined carries between them per game. You know, plain and simple, they're just going to have to do better. And if they don't, then, you know, how much are they going to get from guys potentially further down the depth chart, you know, like Christian Hunter or something like that? Like they have, again, they have options there. Yeah. You know, maybe a, maybe a young guy like Tyron Herndon can step up and, and contribute more in the ground game. But I think it really starts at the top with, with that duo, with Vivens and, and McElroy, just being able to do more than, than we've seen out of them in the last couple of years.
1: The thing is with that group, they're all 200-plus guys. So mm-hmm. they're keys. Like, Vivens is, what, 210, McElroy is 235. They, maybe they need – like in the offensive line we'll get to, which was a mess last year, but they're all back, essentially. But do they need a different type of back? And maybe that's what they want Centennial to be. Like, maybe do an option to have a speed, speed element there. Mm-hmm. But we know, but again, I'm guessing about because again, Centennial being a QB just mind boggling for what we've seen have done for a decade at Boston College. So, but maybe they needed another fast. Game. these guys are bruised, like if they're that big, you should get the short yardage, you should have more touchdowns, like the amount of carries you mentioned per game they're getting last year, even though again, they played some of the best defenses in the conference. So the numbers were probably skewed a bit low, but. If you have this type of guys like a senior guy like Marcus Malkworth, like they just bulldoze over these over these other teams half the time, but it comes back like what do you need? You need both. Obviously, offensive line is the key to opening things up. But if these guys are that big, they should be able to pull through and get the extra yard or two themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what they want to do. But I'm wondering if they're are they going to be too predictable with two two 200 plus round running backs going off tackle and off guard 80% of the running plays. And the rest are Centennial rolling out or something or some random read option play where he takes off like up the center, he steps back a fake draw or something, then goes up the middle, which is still the same type of play as the other ones, but it's a delay.
0: I mean, that's a good question because I think you know, is it going to be kind of the three three yards in a cloud of dust offense, or are oh. they going to find are they going to find ways to get creative and mix it up, be I mean, aggressive on first downs?
1: You mean like Dante Wright? <laughs> yeah, something it's, like that. It's uh, well, just like ew, I'm just. Rams fans, bear with me. I apologize, but I'm just not seeing the vision of what they have and what we've seen Dazu do. Maybe he's made adjustments from last year or the years before, but I don't see it being the case. But the offensive line, to stick there really quick. They bring back basically everybody, and they, while they're really bad, they they. it's like we always say, for an, all the experience is good, but if you're bad, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good just because you played. Mm-hmm. Like Going from I'm trying not to butcher this, but they're not good last year, what expectations should they be better next year are are a huge step up. They're not going to be worse clearly, but how much better are they going to be when they're already bad last year? They, and they didn't get a full ten to twelve games to play to figure that out. Figure that out. They only played four games, <clears throat> so that's the <throat> thing to look at as well. Yeah, I'm not saying like just because not all these guys are new starters last year, but new system. probably know practice and all that stuff was awkward and weird and less, and not physical. You played four games, weren't good. I would be a lot more confident if they played if these guys played ten to twelve games rather be however the rotation worked out, starter backups, but the amount of actual playing time is very limited to what you typically would get in New York, obviously, with the four games. So they're gonna be better, I think, but that's a concern too. Like they should be better, but they only had four games worth to play against. And so I expect improvement, but not as much as they played a full year.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think the hope is that they'll look more more consistently like they did against Wyoming than they did pretty much any other time last year. And kind of to your point that they're bringing everybody back, it's, it's worth noting that I think with one exception at left tackle against San Diego State in the final game of the year, that, you know, all five projected starters, you know, started every single game last year. And, you know, one of the themes I think of, of both sides of the ball, which I think is you know, worth keeping an eye on is they, you know, despite the COVID weirdness, they had really good health luck last year too. And I think if those guys can stay healthy, then I think you know if they have more time to install their system and get familiar and, and get, you know, you know, ad- adapt to the system in a way that they didn't have a full off season to do last year, then maybe you know regression to the mean, like you said, is just going to be natural. And it's just a matter of how much. But I think it's really going to start maybe with the interior, because if, if if Adazio wants to be a guy that runs between the tackles. And then I'm looking at guys like, you know, Cam Reddy, Adam Koritz, you know, Elijah Johnson, you know, two of whom I believe were also Boston College transfers a year ago.
1: Uh, Of course.
0: You know, they came in because they know the system. They were, you know, they're familiar with what Adazio wants to do. And so I think, you know, if you're looking for improvement, it's really got to come at the point of attack, you know, or where the most likely point of attack rather is, is likely to be, which is, you know, like in the, in the, in the, in the interior gaps.
1: Well, it's always like that where we want to go. We'll see. That's my thing. I'm, my main thing, my motto should be for the Rams. But I'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fair, but every point you make is valid about what they can do to be better and improve. But the best area is receiving group, which why I'm not a fan of Dazio at the moment for what he's done. Because he has Dante Wright, which we've seen past couple of years. Like He'll get the ball, quick passes short pass, so give him the ball any way possible. I hope they would do the same because that's kind of like what, what can make this offense work where if you're running strong up the middle, off tackle stuff with your big backs, but then you have Dante Wright for a random jet sweep or a quick pass out to the outside, like one of those quick wide receiver screens, or just he goes in motion and it's a quick pitch as he's going in front of it, you know what I mean? Toward the middle of the field or something, or away from, or, mm-hmm. excuse me, away from defenders, where it's like he goes right to left, you get the ball in you he's kind of toss it to him, like, it's actual pass, not even the jet sweep. Like, the op- like if they mix that in and still have this bruising running game they want, a ground game they want to have, then I can see it working. But Adazio doesn't inspire creativity for me of what he can do offensively.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt at this point that, like, the top-end talent out wide is maybe some of the best in the conference because I think, you know, Trey McBride, for instance, is the best tight end in the conference. I don't think anybody would, would really fight me on that over the last yeah. couple of years. Uh, and Dante Wright, while he wasn't, you know, quite at the level that he was, you know, he's still a guy who averaged over 100 yards a game last year. The question is, who else is going to step up? Because you look at last year's numbers, you know, McBride had 22 catches in in the four games. Wright had 20. No one else had more than eight. That's so it. So if yeah, so if you're if you're if you're looking for maybe the biggest question on this side of the ball of, of the ball to be resolved, it's Who's going to be the secondary options? Because you know, at some point in, in a full season, you can't just funnel the offense entirely between two guys. And so, you know, you start. I think maybe with someone like EJ Scott, who was the guy who saw most of the starts opposite of Wright out in the in the, in the passing game last year. You know, he had six catches, and I think you know, or excuse me, he was the guy who had eight, eight catches. Excuse me. And I think you know, I expected a little more from him. You know, is he a guy who could step up and maybe catch 40, 45 passes and be maybe a first-down machine or something like that? You know, can a you know, a young guy like Ty McCullough step up? Or is it going to be Thomas uh, Panuzio or, you know, Brian Polendi the tight end? Cameron Butler, is he going to come back? You know, because he was relatively quiet last year. I think, you know, just finding those kind of secondary, those second, third, and fourth options is going to be really critical to keep opposing defenses from just keying on the two big weapons. Because, you know, I think if they can't and and defenses figure out how to slow both McBride and Wright, if the offense doesn't have anything else to offer them, then they're going to lose a lot of, you know, painfully slow. They're going to suffer a lot of painfully (laughs) slow deaths week after week. And so, you know, there are guys I think who could step up and do it, but we just haven't seen that out of anybody else just yet. And so I think that's what I'm hoping to see if I'm a Rams fan.
1: Yeah, they have you're right, know, they got the talent there. I, the offense here's what I think an of offense overall. So as I already mentioned probably what I'm saying again, but if they use it the right way, receiving there, burning back solid, like they have everybody back, which everybody does essentially, so it's not a huge coup as most people would like to say it would be if you have like every starter back. I just think it comes down to the offensive coordinator, when you have um a Bud Meyer, what he's gonna do, maybe he got more control over what Adazia wants to bring in that's where I could see it being well and being done at a level where they could maybe surprise the team here too. Because having your whole offensive lines back is huge, even if they barely played. I mean, having arguably one of the better receivers in the conference is helpful. Having a running back in a league where there's a ton, a ton of ton running backs where you might be number six or seven, that's still mm-hmm. probably pretty good overall.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's, there's another team in the conference that can boast having its entire offensive line back, which is not nothing. And, you know, we, we've talked about these position groups, and, like, I don't think we've even mentioned everybody who could potentially play a role. Like, you know, they brought in a transfer from Temple and Vince Picozzi, who could play, you know, anywhere along the interior line. They brought in David Bailey, yet another Boston College transfer, to, who could be part of that running back committee. So, I mean, they've got the personnel. It's just a matter of, you know, turning that, that personnel, turning that familiarity with what Adazio has done in years past into production for this coming fall.
1: Sure, the only thing with Bud Murray comes from Wisconsin. Where what do they do? Run the ball. However, was he, I don't think was he, I doubt he's around when Russell Wilson, Wilson was there too long ago. But like he's known for a similar type of style. So me saying, oh, maybe if he gets more creative a little bit, that would be helpful. I just don't see it. So I'm wondering if they will stifle Dante Wright and Trey McBride and what they can do.
0: I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I'm—I mean, I'm hoping that they don't. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, a yeah, lot I me too. I'm listening about that too.
1: I'm trying to have something negative. I'm trying to be re- a realist here. Even though preseason want to be more hyped and good to go, have talent is just again. Are they going to be creative enough? Like they can run the freaking same sets they want to do, just change the plays a little bit, like a few different type of plays to get them the ball. And if you want to get that passing percentage up, you need high percentage passes. I'll tell you what, I'll well, tell you what though. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Sure, I, hey, they're one twenty-two in the country, whatever stat you mentioned earlier. So I don't know. <laughs> so,
0: so, so I mentioned all of the, So I mentioned a lot of those advanced numbers earlier, right? Yes, you did. Um, so I'm just, I want to run through them again for the defensive side of the ball because I think it's sort of like, and again, I think with Colorado State, maybe some small sample caveats apply, but I think you, it sort of tells the entire story about what this defense could be like. So, like, you know, line yards per carry on defense, they were number one in the country. You know, I think they were the only team in the country to allow fewer than two line yards per carry. You know, in terms of, like, uh, sorry, I lost my track where I was. You know, opportunity rate, they were 10th on defense. Power success rate, they were top 50. Stuff rate, they were 15th. Overall sack rate, they were number two in the country. So, they were able to get after the quarterback.
1: Well, and number one in TFLs.
0: And number one in TFLs. I think you know, even if the offense scuffles, the defense has a wild amount of talent, especially in the front seven, that could, that should be able to keep them in games week in and week out. And like and I think it really starts up front with the defensive line, which had, you know, some some veteran guys who we were already familiar with really step up and have, you know, maybe their best season ever, despite this despite, you know, the small sample. And you know some new contributors who came in and and basically came out firing from from week one going onwards. And so I think you know you start up front and you will get that that foursome that could potentially be you know the starters all season long. You know Scott Patchin and, and Told me Wright at defensive end. In between those two, they you know combined for eleven tackles for loss and, and what like seven, eight, nine sacks or something like that.
1: Well, Patchin himself had five and a half sacks. Yeah, Patchin had five and a half, and a half sacks. By himself um, four games.
0: <laughs> and and the and the interior trio of Ellison Hubbard, you know, Devin Phillips, Manny Jones, you know, they were all maybe had career best years as well. Like Jones had five and a half tackles. But, uh you know, and, and so I think you know, that, that defensive line, you know, the fact that they were they were convinced enough to return and give it one more honest go with a, with a full season ahead of them. You know, there's potential for that defensive line to be the best in the conference.
1: The front seven too. It's like yeah. well, we'll stick with the front four, but they have like there's no huge, you know, there's no 300 pound nose tackle, but Manny Jones about 280, McBride 285. They have enough size where it's huge where he can push people around, Yeah. they can match up with. And if they're outweighed by a lot offensive lineman, what maybe 25 pounds, 30 at most, mm-hmm. like not a ton. So they're gonna like, and Matt, like think what Patch did. He came in with like just basically go play football because of limited practice time. Now, imagine, learn your scheme better, learn this better, do this better. Like, if you equate it for a whole season, like, not that you can just do it, like, multiply it, but five and a half times four is 22 sacks. Not that you can get that, but I'm just saying. 30, like, he's not going to have a 22-sack 30 TFL all season, but I'm just saying, like, once he actually learns how to play defense and better with his teammates in a group where they can't just single on anybody that to or I mean, they can't double-trick players. They're going to have to play basically single coverage on almost everybody for mm-hmm. the most part because then it goes to, like, the linebacker, like, um, who is it, Cameron Carter? Or, no, should me, DeQuan Jackson, top, like, I mean, he's the tackle machine for this team. So yeah. past two years, a lot of the team in tackles. So, okay, you double Manny Jones or you clip on somebody else patching. Okay, well, this linebacker, Daquan Jackson's up the middle. Cameron Carter's going to get you on outside linebacker play or something. So it's like. The front seven is going to be really, really good. And the only issue they could have is if the, like, I'm not super confident on the offense and we're trying to make it sound however it sounds, but the only issue would be if the defense has to be on the field over and over and over because the offense can't keep drives going. That's the only concern I could see defense really struggling. And that even might be just occasionally. I mean, I think if there
0: was a related concern, it's the fact that, you know, for the most part, like, they're, they're sort of thin. Up front, like, you know, they, they have guys who I think could step up and, and be a, a solid contributor if, if called upon to be a starter for an extended period of time, you know, like Mohammed Kamara or, or, or someone like that. Um, but I think if if you look at, you know, potential, you know, regression and injury luck, like I mentioned earlier, you know, there's a lot of unproven entities behind that, you know, behind kind of the, the starting four foursome or the mm-hmm. starting front seven. Yeah. You know, which is not to say that they don't have potential, but you know, all of a sudden you look at the potential too deep and there's a lot of like, you know, freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores who haven't really seen a lot of extended playing time. And so obviously I think for, for this defense in particular that I think they'll feel better if they can stay healthy. But of course, you know, you never know. That's that's never a given for anybody.
1: Totally. Yeah, that's an issue. Injury concern. It's, it's not to predict it, but I get your point saying where you lose if there's some sort of uh, ailment at some point, I think they have enough starting talent that it may not matter. Like, but if they lose, like, somehow three or four guys, unfortunately, that'll be an issue. But if there's one guy out here or there, I think they can manage that. But that can yeah, I could still be hurt the defense enough. But, yeah, I think they have enough depth there to – or not depth, excuse me, not depth, sorry, star power, starting players who are good where, oh, we lose Manny Jones for hamstring for a game and a half. Well, we'll probably be okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. So that's that's a good thing to have. But, yeah, the depth, it's uh, a concern, like you said, like whoever's backup. Because, again, remember, four games last year, it's all they played. Mm -hmm. Any backup that played didn't play much. So is the secondary the biggest weakness about this team on defense since Mm -hmm. they had a singular interception all year?
0: Maybe. I mean, and that's one of those things where, you know, you go back to what you said at the very beginning and the fact that, you know, they they played Fresno State, they played, you know, Wyoming, which doesn't necessarily throw the ball, they played nope. Boise State, you know, San Diego State. It, it, how concerning is it that they only had one interception? And maybe more, more importantly, they only had you know eight pass breakups, which is you know that's not quite as bad breaking up two passes per game. But it, I'm, I'm guessing that you'd want to see a little more, potentially get you know hands on footballs if nothing else. And so I don't know exactly how much of a concern it is because, you know, like the front seven, the defense, the, the defensive backfield has a lot of potential, you know, all conference performers coming back as well. You know, like it wasn't that long ago that Rashad Ajayi was one of the top freshmen in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's a, now he's a junior. He's probably going to lock down one of those cornerback spots alongside, uh, you know, Marshawn Cameron. Marshawn Cameron was kind of sneaky good back in 2019. Um, you know he's back. Logan Stewart's back. Tyron Francis is back. You know I think you know the only real question is you know who's going to start opposite Stewart, and they have their pick of a couple freshmen, you know Henry Blackburn or Jack Howell. So it's not like it's it's the it's not the worst
1: no not scenario
0: that that a defense is facing. But I think you know they're just looking for more production on the back end because you know yeah they only had one interception. They only gave up five touchdowns on on about 120 passes, you know, by opponents, which is, oh, isn't bad, and they they gave up 60%, you know, opponent's completion rate, which, you know, was middle of the pack last year. So you know, there was some good and some bad, and I think, you know, you you want to give them maybe the benefit of the doubt because they had so much returning production coming back.
1: I could see. I just kind of think overall the interceptions kind of got me first, but they, like for Richard Jai, those guys, it's a uh... – yeah, this it's a little bit more. It's Of the units, it's fine. I'm not blown away by it, but unless Rashard Jai has Like, we already know he's really good, but if he does amazingly good, like takes some next huge level jump, that'll be even way better for them. Mm-hmm. But it is a veteran group who's played a lot, so that can overcome, even if they um, weren't, like, elite last year. But, again, last year, it's like, who, who gives a crap sometimes about last year? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. again, look who they played. They played... The defense didn't get to play at some State. Remember, take away 21 points. They're not going to win, but there's that issue. Um, Fresno's offense is really good. San Diego State game is probably more on their level because that was without Greg Bell last year, but they still gave up 29 points. But when you look at the and um, they allowed Jordan Brookshire, to actually throw pretty well, 14-24, relatively speaking. But the running game was um, where they stopped City Diego State because Jordan Brookshire, starting quarterback, leads your team in rushing. It's not good for San Diego State. Hmm. But it's it's also who they played again four games, but you're right eight pass breakups one pick whatever they'd have what three to four in the year if you kind of go through the whole season four that's still not good, it's still an area of slight of some concern for me. But yeah, that, I mean
0: they they definitely had more turnover in the defensive backfield than anywhere else on the defense. You because know, they had I think a trio of cornerbacks if I'm not mistaken. You know Christian Cumber transferred out, Kevin Bailey. Who, you know, flashed potential as a freshman a couple of years ago. He transferred out. Xavier Goldsmith transferred out. And again, they, they brought in another temple transfer <laughs> Linwood Crump who could, you know, make up for some of those losses. And so like, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about it, but I think relative to the other spots on the defense, the other units on the side of the ball, there's definitely more for that back end to prove.
1: Yeah. When they give up eight yards care, uh, per attempt, that's not good. Yeah, So that's, that's, like, the only concern. Like, like the amount of touchdowns they give up wasn't that many. Um, passing touchdowns were fine, five. But it's just the – they're able to make plays to move up and down the field. And, yeah, maybe they stop the team for field goals. But if they can shore that up, it'll be good. Like, defense, it's going to be up there. It's one of the better ones, like you've been saying this whole time. Like, we're also nitpicking here to secondary, where they actually did pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just that, well, eight yards out-throw, that's clearly not good because that's a first down every other play if they threw every single down. So exactly. Just, just saying. So if you put in that like context, they, they, need more, they
0: need more than four turnovers. I guess is what we're saying overall. Yeah,
1: that too. Yeah. Uh, excellent. All right. Uh, special teams time.
0: Definitely a mixed bag. They got the punter. They got the punter. Stonehouse might be the best punter in America, which is which is not nothing when you have a guy who can flip the field. That especially with the defense being as promising as it is, you know that's. You know, potentially a very big deal for them, especially if they, if they play the way they want to and get into a lot of low scoring games where they make op- opposing offenses work their way down the field. You know, Stone, Stonehouse, you know, seems like a fair bet to be, you know, one of the, the rare handful of players to ever be like a four time first team all conference guy. I think he's, he's definitely penciled in on the preseason list, if nothing else.
1: So, um, can we, um, you mentioned he's the best partner in America. Can we, um, Make a T-shirt and give them ten percent. How this thing works out with NIL?
0: I mean, do we do we still have a, a deal with Breaking Tea or no?
1: Yeah, it, it, hit or miss. But it's basically a we'll, we'll we'll call you or you we'll call like we'll call you one of those type of things. With nothing official when I'm yeah. doing that. So exactly.
0: And and they do they do still have you know Dante Wright who's set to return punts. He always he was relatively quiet last year. He only had five returns officially. Um, They have Thomas Panuzio as a kick returner. He was pretty solid last year. Kicking game was sort of, you know, underwhelming. Mm -hmm. relative to a lot of other kicking games in the conference. You know, Robert List was only four of seven. So I think the, you know, he was only a freshman, though. So I think you can maybe expect a little bit of improvement. And that's one of those small things that could make a world of difference over the course of an entire season.
1: Yeah, totally, because if the... No know punter, great, but if you can get a few extra yards in return game, like it goes a long way. And so if that could be, a, it, it's like, well, here's the thing about kick return punter. Return. It's only noticeable when something good or bad happens. Mm-hmm. If you're just okay, middle of the pack, nobody cares. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, fine. You're just not sucking, but you're not amazing. Yeah. There's, if you're just an okay guy, it's like, oh, good. You're not don't you're not dropping a kick or pooching the fair catch or Dive doing some trying to go catch a ball like a wide receiver when you're gonna get smacked when you catch at the one yard line. Mm-hmm. Just uh let's just say don't screw up. Is that that is that the motto for most special teams, don't screw it up? That yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Okay. Alright, do you wanna schedule time or any last little bit on the team here?
0: No, I think we're ready ready to make the pivot.
1: The picks. Alright, so what do we what do we got? South Dakota State, is that week one, game one, win number yes. one? <laughs> Do you want your FCS minute here, Matt? Let's, let's take it <laughs> okay,
0: I think it's really important that we take the FCS minute here because do you Go think do you think that when they scheduled this game they were expecting a face off against the FCS runners up?
1: Should I say that again?
0: Do you think that when Colorado State scheduled this game that they were expecting to play a team that would be a national runners up?
1: No. Never. They expect to schedule a victory when they do these teams. Because South Dakota, and this is something that we've talked about in podcasts past, if not necessarily
0: in team previews past. You know, there's there's the the, the running kind of gag in college football circles, especially on Twitter, where it's like, you know, "Why do you schedule these games? Or Why are you doing this to yourself?" Mm-hmm. And I think this this South Dakota State, you know, the Jackrabbits are a very good team. And, I, and I, I wish I knew exactly which guys were, were coming back for the 2021 season after the spring football season that they just played. But, you know, you look at the fact that, you know, they've got kind of you know, a lot of consensus All-Americans. You know, they got a junior running back, Pierre Strong, junior, who ran for over 700 yards last year. You know, they got an offensive lineman, Garrett Greenfield, who was one of the best in the country. You know, so this is not a team that's going to be afraid to go into Fort Collins and, and Punch the Rams in the mouth as much as the Rams want to punch them in the mouth, and for, for for a team that uh, that not so long ago lost a team, lost to an FCS team. <laughs> like it, I don't I don't want to say it's going to be a loss. Like I, I think they'll find a way to beat South Dakota State, but I think it's definitely within the danger zone that I don't think anybody would have expected. Um, you know, this time last year or anything like that, or even earlier this
1: off season. Do you think it matters that they just played a season just a few months ago prior to this kickoff? That's an excellent question, and I don't have a good answer for it. And deep amount of games, because they went, what did they play? I don't know, well, I should pull the schedule, but they went to the title game, so they games. They went to the title games,
0: yeah. So they played, like, what, 15, 16 games?
1: I'll care second. But, yeah, quite a few games. Um, that's something to look at when they play that well. How much they probably, no spring football, they're probably just resting until fall camp, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, that, I don't know. Honestly, here's my thing about this. Probably be a weird take. Like, I – all the people say, well, if you play football in the spring, it's going to hurt, injuries, blah, 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 can't do all this, can't recover. It depends on the injury and stuff if you get certain things. But overall, you're telling me – maybe I'm insensitive here, and I apologize if I am, but you're telling me finish mid-April, May, June, July, August, four and a half months isn't enough to be ready to go for most wear and tear? Not that it's ideal. That's an excellent question. But, like, my – Unless you have, like, nagging tissue stuff, I would assume, but I get you're also missing out on valuable certain practice time for your team during spring football. But he's had a full season. I'm pretty sure if the coaches are smart, they consult with people, sports therapists and whatnot, how to do this, how to prepare. You're probably mostly doing conditioning and, like, maintenance type stuff during this time of year. Mm -hmm. You're not hitting anybody, but – I don't know. It's just a thought. I think
0: that's. I think that's the great mystery because I don't yeah. think. I, you, I think you could make arguments either way, but I think when it comes down to it, we're not, we're not really going to know because we've never seen it before.
1: Yeah. So it's the only thing that's I'm wondering about. Where was it really a big deal for everybody playing the spring to the fall? Could be certain positions. I'm not saying it's great, but I think. I mean, this, they've,
0: they've. They've. Let's put it this way: the Jackrabbits said they've got their starting quarterback coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Mark Gronowski, they've got both of their starting running backs coming back, Isaiah Davis and Pierre Strong. They, I believe, have both of their leading receivers, the Janky brothers, Jackson and Jaden, coming back. Again, they're not going to be a pushover. So Colorado yeah. State better be ready for a fight out the gate.
1: And they played 12 games last year. Yes. And they also beat North Dakota State last year. Just saying, at North Dakota State. There you go. There you go. Going to going – to, uh, What's it called? Canvas Stadium? Is that the place? Yes. <laughs> we'll see what Stafford. All right, but um, regardless, I'm going to victory. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're, if you, want to, about, if you <laughs> want to talk about, if you want to talk about
0: a team that is likely to be an easier victory, however, you, you look at the next team coming to Canvas Stadium,
1: Osteen, and that's Vanderbilt. I always seen Vanderbilt. What's up with why you hate the Vandies?
0: Because they were god awful last year.
1: So basically, like every year then.
0: More or less, yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. they were. I think they had they had back-to-back one-score losses against Mississippi State and Kentucky, both of which were on the road, and that was pretty much the highlight of their season. You know, they were 0-9. They fired Derek Mason, the clean house, brought in Clark Lee, former Notre Dame defensive coordinator, Vanderbilt alumnus, you know, he's kind of retooling the team on the fly. You know, they you know, brought in a new quarterback, Ken Seals. Uh, you know, true freshman, he was okay given the circumstances. He completed about 65% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Uh, Cam Johnson might be quietly a pretty good receiver in, in the SEC, an overlooked receiver in the SEC. He had over 500 yards receiving last year. So, I mean, they've got
1: pieces. Some pieces.
0: But, but they're also... Kind of, They're also starting over, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think they only have, like, four or five returning starters who could potentially be starters again this year. And and I think the, the, the consensus is that, you know, year zero is probably going to be pretty ugly for the for and
1: company. Especially at Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, and so I think especially at home. Like, like if we say, like, you, you don't want to lose the game to the FCS team, you do not want to lose this game at home to Vanderbilt.
1: Especially with how their offense is so terrible last year.
0: Yes, but I and but it, I do think that they'll be able to, to beat the, the Commodores.
1: Yeah, it's um I think they be able to like maybe their young freshman QB could do something. Or last year, I guess former freshman, I guess or whatever. Is he still a freshman? I don't know. Eligibility is going to be crazy next three to four years to know exactly what you have available to play. Right, what you're being told. <laughs> but it, it did okay. Passing game could be a touch better. There's some room there, but I don't know. It's like. Cam Johnson is he going to beat everybody deep? I don't know. They have a couple receivers in size. That's about it. So maybe they pass a lot. But then again, they're probably not. They're not, probably not going to be able to protect the QB as well. So I'm going to win. Yes, to two and zero, and just get ready, Ram fans. Two and zero is what you got at the moment. Just saying. it doesn't get it gets
0: a lot tougher from there. At least the you know, the non conference schedule.
1: Yeah, they travel to Toledo, which. Likely lost. We look at Bill C's SP plus only one one in three chances to win that game. Toledo um,
0: was Toledo was not that far away from being in the MAC championship game last year. They are pretty close. They they yeah. lost by three at Western Michigan and they lost by three at home to eventual champion Ball State. Who but they have pretty much every starter coming back on offense except for the quarterback. You know Eli Peters moved on. But even the guy that, that that I think they're expecting to step up, you know, Carter Bradley, he made a couple of starts down the stretch last year. You know, he had over 400 yards in a game against Central Michigan in the, in the finale last year. So, you know, they, they've got you know the trio of wide receivers coming back. You know, they've got the entire offensive line coming back. And oh, by the way, they also have 10 starters coming back on defense as well, including you know an All MAC linebacker Deontay Johnson who had 47 tackles. Yeah, they got a pair of all-conference safeties in, in Tyson Anderson and Nate Bauer. You know, it's a it's a very well-seasoned team out of the Mid-American that it, I think is prognosticated at least by Athlon. I think they are the pick to win that uh, that Western Division. And so, you know, again, Colorado State better be ready for their first road trip because Toledo you may not know about them right away but you may want to get familiar with them before they head out there to the glass well, bowl.
1: Well, here's also what they've done. Like Matt candles, like, okay, new coach coaches, let's mix up the staff. So they bring in, um, so Jason pretty, Campbell. Oh, sorry. Did I say Matt Campbell? Sorry. I'm thinking Matt Campbell. You Jason were thinking Matt Campbell. Campbell. Close enough. Cool. Did he coach here before?
0: Yeah, he did before. Okay. He okay, to Iowa State. okay.
1: So I got part of it, right? <laughs> it you were on but the right bring, track. Yeah. I'm getting there. So I just like, Candle, like, that makes sense. I remember that name, but he, they changed their coaching staff they bring in a Florida high school coach who apparently was what, super successful to be their co-offensive coordinator They and moved up 20 spots last year. They bring in Mount Union head coach. You know Mount Union? They're pretty good, Division three. They football. are pretty good, yeah. To be, to be the, they're the, they're the, the
0: one Division three team that everybody knows.
1: Yeah, that's about it. They've won like a dozen. Who, it, who knows how many national titles? It's either to, them or
0: Wisconsin Whitewater.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, so they bring him in to um, – to be a defensive coordinator, co coordinator. So they've all these extra coaches with a ton of experience at varying various levels, which means, hey, I know how to win and can tell these guys, I don't care where I played. I won here in high school. I won here in division three. It doesn't matter. We know how to win. And so that's kind of a unique thing that most coaches don't do to bring to make this change when you're already we're a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be interesting to see how those guys develop in this next year with the same coaches. They can learn the players better, full off season, blah blah blah. All that stuff we'll see all the time. But this is a team. Unless the quarterback is terrible and garbage, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think Colorado State has a chance in this game. I
0: think they have a chance that the defense can slow down the offense. Yeah, I guess but the running
1: I, game wasn't great for Toledo. I guess there's that.
0: But they're gonna have to find ways to get into the end zone, you know, to be able to to keep up with the Rockets. And I, I right now on paper, I don't see that. Which is why I have that pencil in as a loss as well.
1: Yeah, I Yeah, I I, I shouldn't say no chance, but from what they have coming back and what it's on the road and what, how good they are, I just don't see the Rams getting that done either. Mm-hmm. All right, then they go to Iowa. We just say lost and move on, or you have any, any nice words to say about Kirk Ferentz? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I I was kind of like Toledo. They weren't that far away from being a major player last year either. You know, if it wasn't for the mm-hmm. fact that they started the year with two losses by a combined seven points themselves. You know, they, they lost by four at Purdue at home against Northwestern by three, and then ran the table pretty convincingly the rest of the year. And and while they aren't necessarily bringing back the same team, you know, they do have their starting quarterback back in, in Spencer Petrus. You know, they have, you know, their leading running back, Tyler Goodson, who ran for over 750 yards and seven touchdowns last year. You know, he averaged over five yards a carry. You know, the defense... You know, it's kind of starting over up front, but they do bring back Zach Van Valkenburg, who is, you know, he's pretty good in his own right. He has a running coming off the edge. He had eight and a half TFLs and four fumble recoveries last year. I mean, this is a team that's got talent. I think this is the kind of team that, like, even if it's not a, an, an, a one-to-one comparison, I think it's the kind of team that Colorado State aspires to be. And yeah. even though they're even though they're reloading, I kind of expect them to be in the mix for uh, for that you know Big Ten West Division title.
1: I and there they here's what'll be good for the Rams: a good test. This offensive line they're going up against only brings back two starters. Yeah, and it'll be still really good because that's what they typically do. Quarterback play they didn't complete that many, even though they have um what's his name um, Spencer Petrus there. Huge quarterback. He not very accurate. 50, what, 57% of his passes, only nine yeah. touchdowns in a game. So there is room for improvement. So if he gets better, well, that's clearly tough for the Rams, but it's not like he's a, not nothing explosive passing the ball. Offensive line's retooling. Quarterback's fine, not great. There are areas where I could see they could, I jokingly say lost, but there's areas where this defense, this could be like a 14 to 6 game or something. Mm-hmm. Like I could see it being like a rock fight out there. With the defense going up against offense that tries to move the ball, fairly not nearly efficient, doesn't go down the field does doesn't throw the ball down the field very well, short yards per play. And it only scored points in the red zone, so once it gets there, so if the Rams can kind of push them around a little bit or I don't know, not that they'll push them around, but kinda of hold their own, which I think they could. And also Iowa lost like their leading receivers last year. Mm-hmm. So it's like while there is talent at Big Ten School, this might be Maybe I'll teach a tune a little bit. I'm not saying victory here, but I'm just saying like this could be a game where don't be overly surprised that the Rams are sorta of close. Yeah. But I don't I don't I think it'll be worn out at the end of the day and they won't be able to get it done. Because it my record, as,
0: it strikes me as the kind of game that Colorado State might end up losing by like ten or fourteen. But because yeah. the defense is so physical, like they're in it for like a good three, three and a half quarters.
1: But their offense just can't do anything. Yeah. I could totally see that because we're getting through the record part. Mine's not going to be too kind, unfortunately. But I could – if they were to win this game, it would be a big deal. But the way how these two teams mirror each other and what they can do, it shouldn't be like as overly a massive upset if they beat Iowa on the road. You know what I mean? It will be a pretty big deal. But when it would be earth Shadding, like Stanford beating USC – Forty point underdog years ago, stuff like that. I mean, Iowa's I
0: was a top a top twenty five team. I think it would be a big deal if Colorado State went and won that game. Well, no, I'm
1: saying it would be. But I, you think they'll be top twenty five, Iowa? Yes. Is that out there that they're top twenty five?
0: I mean, one has them as the sixteenth best team in the country. Mm. And I didn't talk by, to Steve uh,
1: about that. i don't trust. And what, what are <laughs> they by SP?
0: What are they by SP Plus? They're like uh, they're they're sixteen overall.
1: I sleep on Iowa. Then do I not know something? What's going on? Although, here? ironically,
0: they're they're 51st on offense and number one in,
1: on defense. That's my that's my point. The defense will stuff anything out. But I think our assertion is the same. Maybe the defense is that good. Yeah. But I could see, like I said, a low scoring game just because the Rams defense is also really good. But just will mm. be able to hang because this will be a game where three and out, four and out, five. Three, you know, what I mean, multiple drives of like under seven plays, and <clears> the Rams defense just can't hold and the offense is good enough once they wear it out to make something happen. Like maybe maybe not 14-6, to 6, but like 20-10, 21-7. So it, it'll be a big deal. I'm not trying to downplay it, but I still – you get my point. It would be a mm-hmm. nice, solid, solid victory if they can get it done. But it's not. So then they play San Jose State at home. Um, no.
0: <laughs> so okay, so let's, talk, let's, let's talk about the first half of the schedule because I, I said at the very beginning – that like you know this is a team that you know on paper because they have so many people coming back this is a team that it, I think expects internally to win now and when you when you look at <laughs> when you, know, when Sorry, you look at the first half of the of the, of the conference, schedule, conference home, schedule home versus San Jose State at New Mexico at Utah State home versus Boise State. It is it inconceivable that they run the table with those four games.
1: No, what are you doing? Don't give them false hope. No, but see, here's the, th- here's the thing. <laughs> I
0: think, you know, we, we've talked about all the questions at length that this team has. And so it's it's not necessarily a given. But I'm not going to say that there's a 0% chance that they aren't able to do it. There's you never know, a 0%
1: they, chance. There's never you know, the,
0: a 0%. That game against San Jose State, I think, you know, it, it isn't maybe near the top of the list as far as, like, the most anticipated games of the year. But I think it could very quietly be one of the more critical games of the year on both sides because, you know, San Jose State is, of course, going to be looking to defend their title, you know, going on the road against, a you know, like I said, a pretty good defense. And I think if, if Colorado State proves to be as good on defense as they were last year, then, you know, obviously we'll talk about the Spartans more in depth a little bit later in the summer. But it isn't inconceivable that they can slow down that Spartans offense because again, San Diego State was able to do it last year and and I've already kind of drawn the analogy between what the Aztecs have done routinely over the last few years versus what Colorado State could be this year. Like I I don't know that they're going to, that they're going to beat the Spartans, but it isn't inconceivable that they could hold serve at home, especially if the defense plays up to their potential and the offense does just enough to help them get by.
1: They do have a bye week in between that game as well.
0: Yeah, and if you look at it in terms of, like, SP+, plus and, and win probabilities, like, they only give the Rams a 44% chance to to win that game. But it seems to establish it pretty firmly in, in toss-up territory. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if they are able to beat the Spartans, which, you know, for my purposes, I don't, I don't think that they will. It won't shock me if they do, but I don't think they will. I have that penciled in as a loss. You know, they could. You know they, they seem to be you know, pretty fair favorites to to go on the road beat the Lobos. You know we we talked about Utah State well, last week. Was it was it?
1: Yes, two and,
0: weeks and ago. Two so if like so like if you already listened to that podcast, you know I already have that pencil in as an Aggies win.
1: You too.
0: But they could beat Utah State. Like that's not inconceivable.
1: I think part and, of it's game, so it is just back to back road games makes it a little. Tricky. Yeah,
0: and then when you look at the when you look at the Boise State game. You know, like you're tempted to look at last year's result and be like, "Well, like, what are you talking about? They lost 52 to 21."
1: Well, hold on, not just last year. They have zero victories versus Boise State since joining the conference.
0: This is true. So but I'm just, thinking, I'm thinking about <laughs> last year's game. I'm thinking about last year's game and how weird it was.
1: it's weird, but you know, still they
0: gave be a up loss. like it was like three special teams touchdowns. It was despite the fact that the defense had, you know, a very good game in that game. Like they held the Broncos to 4.3 yards per play on offense, which, you know, again, it isn't inconceivable that they could do that again, you know, find a way to slow down the Broncos, even even if Boise State is closer to full strength than they were last year in that matchup. Like I I have them sort of, I, I mean, I have them going one and three in that stretch. But I don't know that there is any game in that in those first four conference games that is definitely, like, a game that they're you know, 100% going to lose. Like, I think it's an uphill battle. But it is inconceivable that they could pull a surprise or okay. two to hang around in the conference race. I guess that's uh, what I'm saying overall.
1: Do I need to send an alert to Colin, Eric, and Raj to listen to this point when you say you, you give yeah. <laughs> the Rams a decent chance, better than a decent chance to beat Boise State? I'm not saying it's a decent <laughs> chance. I'll I'll just give you the
0: the SP plus win probability for that game. Like they, they pegged the Rams with a 21% win probability. But again, one in one in five is not nothing. It's not impossible. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: (sighs) Okay. I'll let you finish there. I'm going one in three as well. Um, If I'm looking at the same stretch, I could see Utah state's the most closely closest game. I could see them winning outside of New Mexico I like your points on San Jose State, but I think at best for me they'd be two and two. But I'm sitting there just to one win. But then it gets even tougher at Wyoming Air Force, at Hawaii, home to Nevada. Like the, their schedule doesn't do them any favors. Like when they play the West Division, like go to Hawaii, play in Nevada. Like they play the top three team. Well, West is good. San Jose State, where, where we want to put them, but as of right now, they play the best teams in the West Division. Mm-hmm. And Wyoming, if they're gonna truly open up the passing game more. That's a lot of trouble for CSU because we know what Xavier Valde can do running the ball. He'll run up the middle. Even against a good Rams, I should see what he did last year really quick, but I think there'll be enough success there, even though the Rams do, like I mentioned, do own the bronze boot and everything. So I can't say, oh, they're gonna no matter what, they got to take care of business, they're going to win. But the Wyoming is good enough as a team. Was it, I don't know who the team I'm trying to find out here really quick. I'm not doing too well. But – it's a game where I leaning Wyoming because it's on the road. Like if you look at this way, better quarterback Wyoming either way. Running back Wyoming, like receivers CSU, like defensive line probably CSU. It'll be a closer game, pretty close game, but I just don't see CSU. I'm just I'm still con- confused, not confused, but perplexed and unsure of what I expect to see from Steve Adagio. but also here it is Xavier Valade Against that awesome Rams defense, 147 yards rushing. Aiden Eberhardt had 130 yards receiving. Levi Williams, not a throwing quarterback, really. 321 yards, 10 yards per attempt, and they somehow still lost. If they put that's the, because
0: Colorado State put the clamps on pretty early in that game.
1: I know, but I'm saying, like, if if you put, well, yeah, 14 points at halftime, they more in the first and second half for a while. I mean, see, but, see
0: I look at the second half of the schedule. And I, and I and this is and, I, and you know, figuring out wins and losses in the Mountain West this year seems extremely hard. I know <laughs> relative to most years. But the question I ask myself is, which games are the Rams most likely to be able to muddy up and 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 make the kind of game that they want to play? Wyoming
1: is one of those games.
0: Wyoming is one of those games.
1: Iowa could be one of those games. Possibly. I think Air
0: Force is one of those games, and I think Hawaii yeah. is one of those games.
1: Why? Hmm. Why is that?
0: I mean, all three of those teams are are more likely to want to lean on their ground game. And I think, you know, given what we know or what we believe about defense, you know, if if it's like, you know, inclement weather or it's cold or it's rainy or whatever, and Colorado State's like, okay, well, we'll we're more than willing to play a, a 20 to 17 type game. You know, I think it is more likely to happen on the back end of the schedule against those three teams than it would be in, in the front end you know, against teams that could, you know, maybe be more of a threat to pass the ball in particular. I think there's still enough question about about the Cowboys and about the Falcons, about their ability to to throw the ball or to, you know, expose whatever questions Colorado State might still have in their secondary or to exploit it rather with explosive plays in the passing game. So like I think Colorado State has a better chance to do well in the second half of their schedule than a lot of other people might think.
1: I don't know, man. Um, I think what the Rams want to do is have low-scoring games. Cause yeah, I don't sort of a, that is what they want to do. Yeah, uh, saying the obvious here. But, I, like, look, end season, like, you mentioned a couple of teams, the Hawaii on the road. My rec, I'll say right now, they're going three and nine. That's where I have the Rams. They're not beating Wyoming. They're not beating Air Force. They're not beating Hawaii. They're not beating Nevada. I don't think they can get it done. I
0: think they're going to beat Wyoming. And I, I, I think they're going to beat Air Force. And I think they're going to beat Hawaii.
1: What? <laughs>
0: I don't think they're going to beat Nevada. No. We talked about that already. Is that
1: even a question? Come on.
0: <laughs> Sorry. But I think I think there is just enough questions on offense for those three teams in particular, Cowboys, the Falcons, and the Warriors.
1: I'll get you Air Force
0: that that Colorado state sh- you know could dictate the terms of the game especially on defense and i I'm, think with with maybe with better turnover luck with you know improvements in in general on offense that they sh- they, uh, that i think they'll be able to to kind of maximize what they have down the stretch
1: don't disrespect Calvin Turner for why i'm not <laughs> I, I see your point. Like, Hawaii, like, Air Force, they could probably... I'm not saying these are all guaranteed, like, again, losses in the are sometimes futile in June. But when you look at that last half, like, can they beat Wyoming? Yeah, they did last year. Even with all those stats, they put up really good. They're, they still won. Could they beat Air Force? Yeah, if they could shut down the run option attack with a couple of new guys, there's potential there. Can they win under that Hawaii? Hawaii stumbled in weird games and may have to have a late second half rally to beat them. Yeah. Like, those three games are winnable. I still think they're they can be done. Like Nevada's is out of the question for me. I'm like, no, no way. But those other three, I'm leaning. I'm leaning to all the teams that. What Air Force? Like, look what Air Force can do. They run that type of offense where they're going to get yards regardless if their quarterback plays even decent. Remember, they get all these guys back on defense from the Turnbacks that are really good. And with the Rams offense, I'm still not high on, and that's the main reason I'm picking these losses. I don't discount like the defense. Great, good, like. Even the secondary, which I kind of questioned, is still may not may not be as the level as the other two units, but it's still really good. With the experience in returning production and years of starting. But the offense, where well, Wyoming's defense is really freaking good. Air Force has all these guys coming back. Hawaii, we'll see that they, they can score some points when they need to. That's my reason. Like it's mostly the offense I don't trust. Like if the offense comes out and does better, like when I'm looking at the overall schedule here, like we got South Dakota, we got Vanderbilt. No, with Toledo, not, I don't. I think that's almost a guarantee loss. Same with Iowa. Even though Iowa might be closer, just because of how the two teams play. But could I see them beating San Jose State, Utah State, Air Force, Hawaii, and Wyoming? Yeah, like their mar their swing for me, their pendulum could be like from three to seven wins, just about.
0: Yeah, that actually sounds about right.
1: <laughs> so what do you have them for? I have them with one conference victory against New Mexico, <laughs> three so, and nine overall.
0: So I have them at six and six.
1: That's a big difference,
0: and I have them at four and four overall.
1: So is this a team we need to pay attention to because you're high on them and I'm not?
0: See, I, I, yes. <laughs> well, and, and, the, and the, the, I think that you know the question is like if they are if they finish only six and six, are Rams fans going to be satisfied with that?
1: Because would it would it would be
0: no, they, eligible.
1: They better be, right? Why would but they I think not?
0: You, but I think you're right. Like there's such a wide variance in how this season could turn out for them, and I think. You know, going back to what we talked about earlier, a lot is going to depend on how much progression they can get on offense. Like how much that Adazio and Bud Meyer can can mold that offense finally with a full year to to install everything in in the image that they wanted to. Because we didn't really get a chance to see it last year, and you know, now all of a sudden, with with pretty much every single contributor coming back in every single unit, like there's a lot for them to prove.
1: Well, let me ask you this: You mentioned earlier people want to win now. This team hasn't gone to a bowl game in like over three seasons. Yeah, they haven't had a seven-win season since seventeen. They what? What? What reasoning do Rams fans have, or you think they have, that this should be a a pretty good, well above average season? I don't see where that should be the expectations.
0: I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I I've, I know I've mentioned San Diego State a couple times, but you yeah. could have said the same thing about them any number of years when they were winning ten, eleven games.
1: Well, but Rams have never done that. That's the thing.
0: They haven't done it since like the great the Garrett Grayson years.
1: They've had two winning seasons this, uh, two, fourteen and oh two. They've had three winning three ten win seasons in the Mountain West history. Mm-hmm. I I just don't see the hype of where they expect to be this. Well above average team. Yeah, the Mountain Division's garbage this year. Boise State's good. Wyoming's good. Outside of that, it's a mixed bag, really. Air Force is probably three. Like, I just don't – like, where are these Rams fans at? Do they really think seven and five, eight, four is, is realistic?
0: I think the potential is there for them to be a more significant thorn in the side than a lot of people would expect at first glance.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't equal victories. It
0: could, though. That's yeah, what I'm saying.
1: Your point – yes, you're – I'm not, it's not against you. It's against like, what people are thinking that could happen. There's hope, and hope can crush you if it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Just ask people where I live, who are Utah Jazz fans, where they like, oh, my mic fell. Hope to win an NBA title. They lose four in a row and lose to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Hope is a dangerous thing. It's a good thing, but just saying, Rams fans, I'm not saying keep expectations low. That's not what I'm saying. Defense is really good. it will keep you in a lot of games. Just be prepared to 20-16. to 16. Last last drive of the game, Toncentenio can't get the ball to Dante right because he trips up or something. Or Malkroyd um, can't or running back or whoever can't get the fourth and two at the four yard line at the 10 yard line when they need it instead of a field goal. It ain't touchdown. Like don't come back to me. That happens. Cause I could totally see that happening. I'm not trying to on your team, but for me, if I'm going best case, it's probably your record of six and six. Like that's why I can and that would be fine. Like if your team, three wins, four wins, one and three last year, not very competitive in most of the games, and then you go six and six, I'd be ecstatic. Yes? Yeah, because,
0: no? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm so I'm looking that. at the
1: pure numbers. So I'm just saying, like, they they could surprise and maybe win seven, but I just, like, Utah State, that's probably, I don't know. We're kind of high, higher than I thought it would be, but that's my point being, Ex- don't, just don't, if you I know there's fans everywhere, it's not just a Rams Rams thing. I'm not trying to pin in this all on you guys here. But be excited. Because who wants to go into the season? Oh man, my team's gonna suck. I'm freaking two and ten. I don't want this garbage. I'm whatever, my team's been terrible forever. Rams have success. They've had before. They've had good they have good talent on this team. My main concern, and we'll wrap up with this, is how the heck is the offense gonna look with the talent they have where Steve Adagio typically doesn't use it.
0: Yeah, it's it's sort of like the thing. Like, we, and I know that we, over the off season, we talked a lot about like returning production, right? And I think the question that Colorado State has relative to a lot of other teams returning a ton of production is we just haven't seen, and and this precedes Adazio, so it's not entirely on his fault. We just haven't seen them have that breakthrough, and yeah, so no. it's and, and so I think and so as a result, like you don't. You, you, you're you sort of hesitant to give them that same benefit of the doubt that you might give, like, you know, a Wyoming or a San Diego State or something like that.
1: Well, hold on. what have, have the Rams been given the benefit of the doubt ever? So why would that's they be That's that what out? I'm saying. Like, like ever?
0: They haven't <laughs> earned it yet. But I think there's, there's the potential for them in 2021 to earn it. Like, if they can come out and be bowl, bowl eligible, like – I, I mean, I don't know how Rams fans are feeling about it. Feel feel free to add us at MWC Wire on Twitter about whether six and six would be a, a, a win in your books. But I think if they do that, if I were a Rams fan, I would it would make me feel a lot better about what will happen in, in you know in 2022 when all these guys are when most of these guys are gone, and now all of a sudden they're trying to reload. You know, and, mm-hmm. and Dazio is more firmly entrenched in Fort Collins.
1: I'll say this as well. San, San Jose State, I'm not 100% sold they'll go like 10-2 this year or eight, mm-hmm. even 8-4. So they haven't, like, it sucks. Like, you see all the preseason polls. Oh, Texas is ranked here. Boise State's always getting votes. Where's San Diego State? They won three straight double-digit win seasons or not even sniffing the top 45. It's, it sucks. There's a reason for it. I try not to buy into it, but I'm not going to, I'm, like, this, it's kind of the same thing here. But you got to show me something. Like, they, they weren't. Like honestly the ran weren't good last year, so why would I expect them to be good this year for all that much? Even though there are reasons to like them. Despite my three and nine record, there's gonna be if 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 that happens, I apologize, it would stink, but they're gonna be a team where it's gonna be close games throughout the year and it's just the offense. That's all I can end on there. If the offense shows up and they have a good running game, they get dump through at the ball in McBride, that'll change a lot of things. And they could beat San Jose State, they could beat Utah State, they could beat Air Force, they could beat Hawaii. Like there's Room, but again, the pendulum, the difference, the elevator pitch here is like they're all there's a big difference of where they could finish. And it's it a might really, be- it's
0: a really good thing they got New Belgium on campus because this is the <laughs> kind of team that you know, you know, there are stretches where they may drive the fan base to drink, but I think if you're on the field, you know, opposite them, that you know, most weeks, pretty much every single week, this is not a good team that you're gonna want that they're gonna look forward to playing because I think they're gonna they're gonna try and bring it. Every single week. All right,
1: that's a good place to end there. So this, there's, this is more of a, you know, you mentioned Utah State was like a very intriguing team. I think CSU is kind of that same category. Yeah. Where, because even Utah State, I had them at five and seven, and that could swing a lot. But that's it for today. MWR.com is where we post this stuff. You need to subscribe, listen, read our articles we're putting out there. Again, if you Rams fans, three and nine for me. You can tweet at us and say you suck. We're going to Big Twelve. I'll hear it. I'll take it. However, Matt, half those guys are probably muted already from the account, so I may not see it. So huh. give your best, give your best shot if I see it or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, MW, MWCR and Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. We'll be back next week to preview team to be determined. We have seven teams left, so maybe it's San Jose State, maybe it's Air Force. We'll see. Anything else to add? Are we good, Matt? You good to go?
0: I think we're all set.
1: All right, perfect. And we'll see you next time, folks.